Hello and welcome. I'm Shannon Shotler, your host, and this is The Messy Mucky Middle, a podcast dedicated to talking with real people about the most real parts of their life and career transition stories. Today, our guest is Mia. Mia is a 28-year-old licensed esthetician, skincare nerd, and self-proclaimed lifelong student. Before finally discovering her passion for skincare, Mia worked as a dental hygienist and nonprofit public health professional. But what we get to talk about today is her time spent navigating that messy middle from exhausted overachiever to aligned risk taker. This is Mia's messy middle story. Mia, thank you so much for saying yes to this interview. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I'm really excited to hear more of the ins and outs of this transition because I think I I knew we were in in relationship like more towards the beginning of the journey, but I haven't heard updates along the way. So I'm so excited to hear more. So maybe we go back to that beginning a little bit. So Mia, I often think that transitions actually begin at an ending. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, what was ending when your transition story begins? So I had, (laughs) I had just lost my job in (sighs) nonprofit public health. Yeah. And I was burnt out and tired and exhausted and Yeah, the job loss, definitely, it was, I had been thinking about transitioning for a while. Yes. I had, like, thrown around some ideas, and then that kind of put me in a space where I was like, oh, I need to decide what's next, and life is giving me the perfect opportunity to stop and do that now that I do not have this former job. (laughs) Yeah, and I remember that you had, like you said, you had been thinking about transition or like making a change even before then, but it sounds like the actual like job loss was the thing that finally was like, okay, it's time. Yeah. And I really was pushing myself to keep looking for another public health job after that. I was like, all right, I need to start putting my resume, my applications out there. And like, I went to school for this whole (laughs) master of public health. I, I really should get another public health job. Mm. And I was like, you probably should slow my role there and think about if that's what's wanting to come next. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about that, but before we do, I'm curious, like, how did you, what were the emotions that you were experiencing at that point of thing kind of coming to an end? It was disappointing because you feel like you're like, I feel like I failed a little bit. You feel like just a little bit of grief. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're thinking this is what I was, this is what I thought I was meant to do. And here it is being just cut right off and kind of having to consider what's next is a big part of the transition through grieving what you might be leaving behind. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of grief in the beginning of transition. And, you know, I'm struck in this episode, I've done so many of these interviews now, and I don't think anybody has really touched on that part. So I'm really grateful that you're bringing that to people's attention. Like what a normal feeling 
to feel a sense of loss or sadness that this thing that you pursued, this thing that you have a master's degree in is not, is no longer where you're headed. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, very tough. Well, and this is a little bit of a playful question, but did you feel confident at that point? Oh no. I was like, I was like, all right, I've been thinking for a while before I lost the job that maybe I'm interested in aesthetics. And there's a handful of reasons that I'll get into why I decided that was the path I wanted to pursue. But aesthetics, is this something else that I'm going to pick up and then not carry forward long term if I get into that as a new career? So I was, it was a risk. Yeah, it was a risk. Yeah. And for me being an Enneagram type six, we do not like to take risks <laughs> at yeah. all. Yeah. Well, and the reason why I asked this question about confidence is that it's something that I see a lot of people expect of themselves in the beginning mm-hmm. of transition. And so a little bit, I'm trying to debunk that a little bit to say, hey, look at all these people interviewing. None of them felt confident at the oh, beginning no. of the journey. <laughs> like they felt sad. They were grieving. They were... Um, disappointed at how things had been. They weren't confident in where they were headed yet. So let's talk about how you figure out where you're headed next. I would say two themes that I hear a lot in transition are restoration and reflection. Maybe Mm -hmm. let's touch on reflection first. What role did reflection play in your journey to figuring out what came next? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a very like, make a list process oriented kind of person. So methodically, I was like, all right, in order to figure out what I think is best for me next, let me sit down and think about all the things that I've liked about the other jobs that I've done, even since I was 16. And I was like, all right, I like connecting with people. I really like doing a job that's very much um, a little bit more active and physical. So like not at a computer um, and doing desk work a lot of the time. And I like being able to, part of my dental hygiene job that I really enjoyed was client and patient education and being able to empower people um, to put their dental health in their own hands. So I was like, I didn't love the dental field because you have to work for a dentist. There's not opportunity to work for yourself. And ultimately that's what I want in the future. Mm -hmm. So I'm like thinking about all of these things and I'm like, all right, not a desk job. So not public health. I didn't love dental hygiene, but it has a lot of elements that I really enjoyed, like connecting with people, educating people, being active and being able to really have a day that's structured around just focusing on the person that's right in front of you. And my sister is a hairstylist. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. She's 22. And I have seen her graduate high school at 18 and get her cosmetology license and really just fall in love with her profession and working with people and just... She really inspired me because I had thought in high school, oh, maybe I should do our, our area does like a vocational program that you can do in high school, your junior year and senior year. 
I was like, man, maybe I missed an opportunity. Maybe I missed a calling to do that. But I was like, I don't want to cut hair. That kind of would stress me out. (laughs) But I was like, in the same realm of the beauty health, health industry and like appearance, appearance enhancement. I was like, I really, this past year during the pandemic and being home have like dived into my own skincare and like getting really interested in like ingredients and the science behind it. And I'm like, wow, I, I think Sophie's on to something (laughs) with what she's doing. And so I'm like, it fits kind of those buckets that I was like, these are things that I enjoyed about my past jobs is working with people being able to educate on skincare. And I always say, you can't take your face off. <laughs> so yeah. it's like helping empower people like to take that power in their skincare journey into their own hands, that education part, I love so much. And then just being able to be present and focus on that person that is in the treatment room with me. So I was like, this seems like it would be a really good fit. I was like, I still don't know if it's, I was still nervous. I was still like, this is a risk. I could, I could start school and I could hate this, but I was like, this seems like after I reflected on all of that, this seems like something that would fulfill me and make me happy um, on a, on a more so daily basis. <laughs> yeah. So gosh, I love this so much. And even as you're talking about the word that's coming to mind is triangulating, like triangulating your past experiences and figuring out the elements that you liked of each one. So like, what did you like about being a dental hygienist? What did you like about being in public health? What appeals to you in watching what your sister does and seeing her passion for it and then triangulating those things and thinking like, holy shit, this might be the next quote, right thing for me. (laughs) Yes. So, so, so then we move into maybe, well, I don't know if we do or not, you're going to tell me. I wonder (laughs) if we move into a phase of experimentation. Yeah. That's another big theme that I see in transition sometimes. So Mm -hmm. how did, did that play a role in your messy middle at all? Yes. Uh, So it's, I did start school at the time and I was like, all right, I'm taking this risk. But I was also thinking, you know, I want to make sure that I enjoy the salon environment and I enjoy Mm -hmm. working in that kind of space. And I got really fortunate that I have been seeing my hairdresser for a couple of years now. And before I had got accepted to my program, And just before I lost my job, I was sitting in her chair and I said, Kath, I'm going to tell you something I haven't told many people and I'm going to put it out in the universe. I was like, I think I want to go back to school for aesthetics. And she was just so excited and overjoyed for me. And she's like, I can't wait until you start. Like, I hope that you get accepted to the program sooner than later. And she was like, offered me a position to do receptioning hours and assisting at the salon. And so I got the opportunity in the beginning of the year to work with her to start learning like the salon business, to start uh, working with clients like on the reception side of things. And I was like, yeah, 
I like coming to work. Like I'm not doing aesthetics in the workplace yet, but like, I was like, this is where I belong. Like, this is where I feel like I'm starting to thrive. Mm -hmm. And I just can't explain that feeling. It's just, your heart just swells a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. What I was going to make you dare to try to explain that feeling. Cause that's another common theme that I'm hearing these interviews is people saying like, Oh, well, I just felt it. So if you can try your best to take a stab at explaining to people or describing the sensation that came up in you. I think the best word that's coming to mind right off the top is belonging belonging like I felt I made a lot of great friends like starting to work at the salon I felt very supportive supported Mm. um and just that sense of like having a community around you that is so excited for this next part of your journey like it makes me emotional because just belonging like I for a long time in my life, I kind of felt like there were a lot of spaces where I was like, do I belong here? I don't feel like I fit in. And I remember coming into work at the salon and like starting to form friendships and connections with people and just feeling this really profound sense of belonging there. Yeah. <laughs> I so like, I'm getting choked up hearing you describe it and I'm getting chills because honestly, Mia, what it brings back for me, man, this is the first interview that I've cried. Um, oh. <laughs> what it brings up for me is that I remember that same sensation when I stepped into coach training for the first time. And I was like, oh my God. There are people that are like me out there in the world. There are people that like care about the things that I care about. There are people that like share our, Rami and I describe it to each other in workplace hugs as um, like-heartedness. There are people who have a like-heartedness to me that I didn't even know were out there in the world. Yes. And I had that same feeling of belonging. It's almost like on an embodied level, what comes up for me is just like this, like people can't see me because it's a podcast. It's just like this, like deep. (laughs) high and this like spaciousness of like oh I can relax now like everything in my body softens I can take a little bit of a deeper breath I don't know if that's how you would describe like the the embodiment of it yes absolutely and just to add on to that too like my school experience like college and uh graduate school and stuff like that like I always felt like oh I have friends here but in school with aesthetics, I was like, I formed a lot of friendships. We were a very small class. We were all, there were only nine of us um, in my in my class. But that was even different too. Yeah. Like those those women, I was like, I made lifelong friendships here, and they usually tell you that in college oh, you're going to make some of your best friends for life here. And I didn't have that experience in my undergraduate and graduate um, education. But with my aesthetics program, I was like, these are my people. So to just feel even like beyond one layer beyond the salon, to feel supported by that community as well, helped in this transition too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious, while we're touching on experimentation a little bit, and I don't know, maybe there weren't, were there other possible paths that you had considered? 
Or like all along, did all signs point to, nope, this is the path? I think because I reflected so much, Mm. because I had, listen, I had two months (laughs) of not having a job. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I spent so much time reflecting and like hemming and hawing over it. And I guess all signs really, I really felt like that's, that's the direction. I tried so many other things before this. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like, all right, this is what it is. Yeah. And that first week of class, it was like that embodied sigh of relief. It was like, oh, finally, like, finally, I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if like you had been quote unquote, like trying experiments all leading up until this point, you'd tried the dental hygienic, you'd tried nonprofit space, you'd tried those other spaces and they weren't quite it. And so how beautiful that now you found this space that does give you that like feeling of, I don't know, the word that comes to mind for me is ease, the feeling of belonging as you described it. Were there any um, like ways of being that you had to experiment with? Like risk taking is something that oh, that you touched yeah. on earlier. <laughs> I so it's funny. I was like, I my plan originally. I lost the job, my public health job, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna work for a year. I'm gonna save money. I'll be on the wait list for my aesthetics program. By the time a year has passed, I'll be ready to start. And two months later, they're like. Oh, we're starting. We just actually opened an extra section. We had the availability and the staff for it to start December 1st, 2021. Mm. And they're like, we're, it's a small class. We're just calling folks on the wait list who have expressed more interest. Cause I'd reached out to them a couple of times and they're like, if you want the spot, we need to know in two days. Oh and my I'm gosh. like, Oh, <laughs> like, I'm like looking at my bank account, looking at my savings, looking at like, how can I make this work? Because I'm like, I just felt like this, I want this so much. And this is, this is an opportunity to get to doing what I want to do sooner. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take a risk here. To tell them yes, and then I'll figure out the rest after. And I know, like, for some people, it's like that could sound a little bit financially irresponsible, but there, there's built-in buffers that, like, I've always had for myself. So I was like, I it felt a little uncomfortable because I was like, all right, like I'm making things a little tight for myself, but this is going to be worth it. So I have to take the risk. So throw the anxiety out the window a little bit (laughs) or at least acknowledge it and be like, thank you for trying to protect me anxiety, but this is what we're moving forward with. (laughs) Yeah, Honestly, for me, when I heard you say that, I, what was coming up in me is like, holy shit, that's a huge step. That's a huge step for you knowing you. And that's a huge step for anybody who identifies as an Enneagram six for folks who are not familiar with the Enneagram. That's a person who like really values security. Yeah. And so I know you were like, that might seem really financially irresponsible, but in my head, I'm thinking, oh my God, like that's like the furthest thing from it for you, knowing that you probably have layers of safety and security just because of who you are as like a human being. Yeah. So that, that <laughs> I imagine that was a new way of being for you to step into like 
being somebody who takes risks, being somebody who stretches themselves a little bit yeah. in ways that maybe you you hadn't financially before. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, I'm going to make this work. I'm yeah. going to take the risk to make this work. <laughs> yeah. Or I go back even to the conversation and maybe this was like nothing for you, but I imagine this would seem like a big experiment or a big step for some people. The conversation that you had with your hairdresser to yeah. like open up and be vulnerable. Like that's potentially a new way of being to, to ask for help or to say like, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? I, yes, absolutely. I was like, I guess it was my way of embodying that this is my new, this is going to be my new life. This is the new life that I am seeing for myself that I feel is aligned for myself. And I thought the more people that I tell my, I guess this was my experiment and I didn't even really realize it. I was like, the more people that I tell, the more real that it will feel and the more comfortable that I will start getting with the fact that I'm making this transition. And because there was a lot of shame for me that I got this master's degree in public health and I wasn't going to use it anymore. And I even had a conversation with my grandmother where she said, Oh, I'm so happy for you. It's just such a shame. You spent so much time in school for all these other things. And I was like, you know what, Graham? I don't really feel that way, to be honest. I think all of those things led me to right where I'm supposed to be right now. And I needed those previous experiments or experiments and experiences. And so that was the experiment. I'm telling people that this is, this is the new reality for me. This is what I'm heading towards. Yeah. Claiming that identity. That brings me back in time too, to the time of like the the in-between the mess where I remember in my, in my own transition story, a a time where I was like embarrassed to tell people I was a coach, you know, it was like, oh, but then I knew I had fully made the, the identity side of the transition when I was embarrassed to tell people that I was still doing contract work (laughs) in my old job, you know, because I was just like, I had really fully allowed myself to try on this new identity and be in it. And I'm hearing for you, it was like, no, I'm really going to allow myself to like try on this identity, tell people like, this is what I'm wanting to do. This is what I'm moving towards. And yeah, that's a big experiment. Yeah. I think too, it's one of the first times in my life where I'm like telling people this is the identity, like I'm going to be an esthetician where I felt like, yeah, (laughs) like other times I felt like, Oh Mia, what do you do for work? I'll get the question. And oh, I'm, I do this in public health and it's kind of like, whatever, like not like super ownership over it or like, I don't know how to describe it. What's coming to mind for me is that like it, even as I'm experiencing you now versus how I remember ex- talking with you in, in when you were in nonprofit space was um, this feeling of like connectedness. Like it, it, it almost feels like you're more connected to the work and not like you were unplugged or whatever, but it's just like, it feels more, gosh, I'm just starting to describe it too. It feels more you. Yes. But I didn't yeah. even know it was you. you know? like, <laughs> right? I, I, it's like, but it, everything that you're saying about your experiences that led to this point, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yes, of course this makes so much sense. Yeah. Like I feel proud. Like not that I didn't feel proud telling people like, oh, I work in public health. Like that's, that's humble, hard work. Yeah. And aesthetics is something so much different where people might see that and think that's 
because it's appearance enhancement. Oh, that's a little vain. You moved from doing this very humble public health work to doing something that's, that's beauty related. But when I tell people that I'm an esthetician, like that lights me up inside. Yes. I'm like, I, I get to be of service in this way that brings me joy. Like I was being in service in the public health sector, but it, wasn't aligned it just it didn't bring me joy and I really wanted it to but it wasn't (laughs) yeah yeah it's almost like oh what's coming to me now is people might look at like the nonprofit space and be like oh that was so selfless of you but in some ways it's like our egos can trick us into thinking that doing shit like that is a good idea yeah (laughs) and really I still very much deeply hear you having a heart of service, like, and a desire to teach and a desire to, when you talked about just being present with the one clan at a time, I was like, oh, yes, that's how I feel (laughs) today. But like, isn't it crazy? The stories that we can make up about like, oh, but that's, you know, any, any more or less meaningful than the work somebody else is doing in the world. Bullshit. It's, right. it's very meaningful, important work. My, my assistant, this guy's been doing my brows. We were trying to figure out the time. Hi, Tom, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> Tom has been doing my brows since like for like 12 or 13 years. And wow. it's like, it's like a ritual experience for me of having that yeah. presence and that connection point with him and that having space held for me. Yes. So yeah, I say screw anybody that doesn't get that. <laughs> it's alive and well. <laughs> So I'm curious, you, you start down this journey, you go back to school, you're doing reception work for your hairdresser. What was harder than you expected? Hmm, that's a good question. What was harder than I expected? That's a really good question. It just felt so much, I felt so much ease. Once I started the program, I just felt so much ease. Yeah. Like it didn't, I always kind of felt like, and this isn't everybody's experience, but I always kind of felt like my path shouldn't feel hard. Like Mm. what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, obviously you have to put in the work. Like I'm not going to say school and taking tests and getting ready for licensure exams is easy, but it, it doesn't, it didn't feel hard because I was wholeheartedly invested in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That you, you can say that you could say nothing felt hard. What felt easier than you expected? Uh, making friends in that <sighs> space. And it's so crazy. Like I always kind of in my other programs, like dental hygiene or master of public health, like I had friends, but I kind of always felt like somehow on the outside, And when I started this program, I was like, for aesthetics, this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm so excited for. And I'm just going to bring all of me to this room. I came into that space like, this is me, take it or leave it. And people accepted me for that. They were like, just such an amazing community of friends that I made. And it was so easy and effortless. And I felt so seen, like everybody had like their own personality and their own like way of doing things and stuff like that. But somehow like we all just 
meshed together so well and supported each other so well. And that was way easier than I expected it to be. I thought it was going to be another experience where I'm like, I just need to get in and out of school. And if I don't make friends, then that's not what I was here for anyway. Mm. But I did. Yeah. Easy. (laughs) Yeah. That's beautiful. Was there ever a point where you doubted where you thought, Oh shoot, maybe this isn't it. I think where the doubt came in for me was when we were getting closer to graduation and I was starting to hear like from my friends in class, like what was next for them as far as jobs. And I was like, Oh man, like everything's like starting to kind of unfold and work out for them. And I've been like kind of feeling things out in my area as far as jobs. I was like, Mm -hmm. nothing's presented itself yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, is it going to be hard to find a job around here for me? So I started to get a little doubtful and a little worried, but I was like, no, I'm, I'm supposed to do this. Like, this is what I want to do. I think that's where a little bit of the doubt was, but I was like, nope, we're just, sometimes you have to just acknowledge it, but keep moving forward. Yeah. Like not, not surpass it, but yeah. um, I kept in communication with the salon that I was receptioning for. There was like a little bit of a break period between that and graduation. Yeah. And they had had their esthetician of seven or eight years decide to move on and start her own business and open her own space. And I think some of the doubt came in for me when Kathy was like, Mia, we have a fully furnished empty aesthetics room. And I always imagined myself starting my first job with a mentor and working in a space with another esthetician. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I don't know if I can do this by myself. Can I do this by myself? Am I capable of being responsible for all of these things that I would have to take on as their solo esthetician? Yeah. And I was like, oh man, am I going to feel as scared as I used to feel when I would walk into the dental office every morning? Like that anxiety in the pit of my stomach. And um, I told Kathy, you know what? By the time I graduated, I was like, what am I worried about? Just this is the perfect opportunity. This is another experiment. Mm. This is the perfect opportunity for me to be solo in a room responsible for all the things to see if I can learn to trust myself that maybe someday I can have my own business. Yeah. I love, and I love that you tied it back to experiment of like taking that mindset on of like, this is just another experiment. Okay. I'm experimenting. I'm here. Yes. What a beautiful way to support yourself and moving through that, like, oh shit, like feeling or sensation (laughs) that can come up when we're going after a new path or a new dream. Yeah. So let's talk about, I mean, all of this is about the human side, but let's, let's talk about the more maybe internal elements of this for you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think I hear a lot from folks of like that they don't like to sit in the middle, you know, the middle part of transition because they feel like, well, I'm not <laughs> learning anything, you know, like I can't, like, what am I supposed to do in this like mucky, messy middle? Yeah. So I'm wanting to like d- double down on that a little bit with everyone that I'm interviewing and hear from you. Like, what did you learn about yourself 
as you <laughs> sat in the middle, like where you were in between two worlds, if you will. Yeah. I think I'm going to be a little bit of an oddball because I'm, I can be very indecisive. So I'm great at sitting in the middle <laughs> and, <laughs> I love it, and, not, I love it. and not making a decision Yeah, and, and just, and just weighing everything back and forth and not having trust in myself to make a decision that feels aligned. And so I'm great at sitting in the middle and being indecisive. <laughs> um, I think what I, what I learned from that was, like I said, was how to trust myself mm-hmm. because that reflection piece, I've always been very self-reflective because I'm so indecisive sometimes I learned that I could trust myself Mm. and that I can change my mind and that no matter what decision you make you still have agency going forward so if I decided to start this program and that was the decision I made out of the messy to start moving out of the messy mucky middle then I would still have agency after that to change my mind and it's okay to be indecisive and I can trust myself that this is what feels right right now and if I change my mind again in the future I don't have to feel shame or guilt over that and that's kind of a better way a healthier way that I learned to move through life um I've kind of have adopted this like I will cross that bridge when I get to it attitude and that might be part of um like all the mental health stuff I've been doing for myself this year um but yeah yeah so I'm hearing learning how to trust yourself for you it was maybe learning decisiveness like and and allowing yourself to trust yourself enough to make a decision to make a bold move taking risks I think has been a theme throughout this conversation Mm -hmm. of like giving yourself permission to adapt that new way of being in the world yeah and then a little bit too like a theme that I'm hearing of maybe what was different for you or what you learned was relationships you know like allowing yourself to show up differently to present differently if you will to these new circles that you were joining and be more fully authentic like fully yourself yeah beautiful it's funny when we did values and vision together. One of my values was connection. And I was like, how I like really thought about it. Like it was something in the forefront of my mind, but it wasn't until now that I felt like I was truly living that. Mm, that's beautiful. <laughs> so good. So beautiful. <laughs> and again, we've talked about this a little bit, but just to touch on it again, because I think connection or, or how our communities or relationships change isn't part of transition as well, that people yeah. don't often think about unless it's like literally the transition that you're making. But when it's in a, a work or a career space, we don't always think about like, oh, our relationships might change. I'm hearing that it was, you had a good time connecting with new folks. Did you have any experiences that were maybe more tender on the letting go side? Do you mean moving from like public health into? Yeah. Like, was there any sense of, um, this is really a leading question, but I'm, I'm just curious and maybe it's a no for you, but sometimes we have some grief around relationships like that we lose, you know, like for me, I experienced a lot of grief 
in leaving my corporate life because there were a lot of friendships, relationships that I thought would be there forever. And they weren't because I was going into such a different field. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if you had an experience like that or not. I think because I, like I had friends in the public health space, but they weren't. Your people. My people. That's the, the best way to say it. But what I will say is I kind of had this like, oh man, people are gonna like people that I went to school with and graduated with my master of public health with, they're gonna be like, What is she doing? I can't believe she spent all this time in masters of public health with us and now she's going off to do aesthetics. And like I had some like thoughts about that that were coming up and like that identity and I shared on Facebook that I was taking clients while I was in school and the response was so overwhelmingly positive. Like, I'm like, I felt like these people finally see me and they were excited for me and looking forward to like what was next for me. Like, yeah, like it almost made me feel more connected to yeah. those folks. It's like it's so strange, isn't it? To like just fully embrace yourself in a space and the response from other people can change. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that you're still in a messy middle of sorts? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Tell us more. Like what's, what's still feeling a little messy or uncertain? So I obviously started my job with the salon. I took the risk of our solo esthetician and I'm in the messy middle of building my career now because when you get into aesthetics and you're kind of working for yourself, essentially, you're building your clientele, you're like trying to fill your books, you're trying to advertise, you're trying to, you know, make connections in the community and stuff like that. And so like, that's the middle where I am, where I'm like, it's, I, it's a risk, because I'm like, I know that this aesthetics field is going to be a slow startup. And I told myself while I was in school, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now we're here. So we're like making that transition through that, I guess. If that does that make sense? Like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, sometimes in these episodes, like the joke that that I feel like I'm finding is a lot of us are always in messy middle. You know, it's just like it's the latest <laughs> mess or the latest like middle that you're moving through, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you you make you make it through school, you make it through this career change, and now it's the middle of building. We're always in the middle. Like it's always a devotion and not a destination. That's, that's what I think of a lot. Like, it's just, we never arrive. And the sooner we can catch that joke, (laughs) the easier life gets to just allow ourselves to be in the middle. Absolutely. What do you want other people to know who may be going through their own middle right now? I think the biggest thing that I would want people to know is it's always okay to change your mind. We hold, we make a decision and we feel like sometimes that it's set in stone and it's really not like life is so fluid. And I just want to go back to that. Like Amy Young, she talks about like having agency over choice and over your life and how, like, whether that's external or internal, like you are 
always able to change your mind. Even if you can't change something externally at that point, you can reorient the way that you're thinking about that experience and say to yourself, what is happening for me? And when I lost my job, I was like, all right, universe, what is happening for me right now? Yeah. What is happening for me right now? And it was just like, sometimes life gives you a two by four in the back of the head after you haven't been listening for a really long time. So I was like, this is internally orienting myself instead of thinking this is the most worst tragic thing that could have ever happened to me is losing my job. It was, what can I make of this? What, what choice and agency can I have over my life after this has happened to me? It was funny that the next morning after I lost the job, my boyfriend at the time said something to me and I hated him for it in that moment. But he was like, welcome to the first day of the rest of your life. Mm. And I was like, oh, it was so true mm. because that day was like the turning point for me and I was like yeah I am allowed to change my mind I am I am allowed to have a say in all of this either on a small scale or a big scale so yeah you get to choose you get to choose that's the the lesson that I'm taking away from this too it was like you I mean so many but that especially like you get to choose we're never you never at the end of the road you always have possibilities left and the more that we can feel into those possibilities the more power I feel like we have again to remember yeah. like we're never stuck yeah. we get to choose again and it's funny you bring up Amy because Amy was interviewed too for this oh, series <laughs> yeah <what>? yeah she <laughs> was I yeah, love so, her so much <laughs> yeah she's a delight so Listeners, go check out the Amy Young episode. What do you sense is most important to you now at this new place in your life? I have been anchored to two values lately, and it's freedom and flexibility. Whether that's freedom of choice or just like freedom to have work-life balance, freedom and flexibility, that's the life that I'm building for myself is being able to have that. Mm, I love that. Powerful words. Mia, thank you so much for being with us and sharing your story today. Thank you so much for having me, Shannon. It's always a delight and a pleasure. And I am so happy we connected in the space of the interwebs. Well, there you have it, folks. Here's the three things that I'm taking away from this episode. First, permission to follow your bliss, your joy. Our egos can trick us into believing it's somehow selfish to do this, and it's just not. It's the greatest gift you can give to the people around you to be happy. Couldn't you just feel it in Mia's presence? I know I could. Second, There's this theme around belonging in this episode and just how much meaning we can find in figuring out where or to whom we belong. Sometimes we think transitions are all about what we do in the world, our purpose. But honestly, the more I do this work, the more I see a number of transitions that are anchored in a longing to belong. Finally, people can't love you for who you truly are if you never let them see you as you truly are. So let them see you for who you really are, as Mia so beautifully did. Now for a sneak peek. Next week, I'm sharing my interview with Alicia. 
Alicia went from being burned out, exhausted corporate climber to starting her own servant hearted caregiving business with the goal to be more hands on in the communities she was brought up in. Can't wait for you to hear this story. <laughs> Last but not least, if you think this episode might resonate with a friend, please do share it with them. And if you like my vibe, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast, connect with me on Instagram, or learn more about my work at shannonshotler.com. Until next time, go forth into your very own messy middles with courage and compassion.